This is Beat'em Down from Cult 45, the movie podcast, and you are listening to the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. So, George, um, you have any questions before we officially start? Uh, language. Uh, yeah. what are we... <laughs> we try to use it. You know. <laughs> Sometimes we do sign language. No, uh, it's we, fine. We've done Sanskrit. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it's so funny because, like, like uh, I've been uploading the audio to YouTube, which it doesn't get a lot of views. But we've in the last month we've had two of our uh, videos that were guest podcast. You know, where we had people on get age restricted because of language. Okay, <laughs> I will do everything I can. To keep it PG. It's never out of anger, just always out of enthusiasm. (laughs) Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what? I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it, because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people, right? You want people to care, you want, you want to strike emotions, and I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yeah. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally <laughs> imagine that. You I'm sure somebody's written that one Pounder with cheese in France, Mickey? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Boy, with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. See? I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice that my, my progeny to you of a mighty Marvel beast. <laughs> <laughs> but Neil Adams is somewhere going, hmm, it's, it's my time. <laughs> uh, how do you measure success? Hey, everyone. You're listening to Superhero Speak, and I'm your host, Dave. And John. And JD, I'm also in trouble. Uh, yes, yes, you are in trouble. Uh, John doesn't know because he wasn't on you, your, the responses. John doesn't uh, read the emails. No, he doesn't. <laughs> um, Why would I want that trouble? God forbid we have a plan going into things. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be here tonight, but I'm here. I call. I uh, emailed Dave and said, look, I got to bail. My wife's not happy with me doing the show tonight, so uh, I can't do it. He's like, well, you invited your friend on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. And I told my wife, I did invite my friend on the show. So she said, that's fine. You can do your show and sleep in the office tonight. And I Ooh. said, oh, yes, dear. And so <laughs> retreated to the comfort of my office where I will spend the next 12 well, or so hours. Well, since you set it up beautifully, do you want to introduce your friend? Um, I met George O'Connor 11 years ago in the first ever Comps Experience online course and we've been friends for a little over a decade now. And he's an insanely talented creator with his own Kickstarter that is up and running and doing quite well at the moment. And uh, I said, hey, man, you got to come on the show and, and push your Kickstarter some more so that I can get more of my friends' attention. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I owe you for the T-shirts you bought me in Japan. So it's the least I can do. Oh, d- <laughs> dude, that's just bros being bros. All right, there's no there's no transaction there. This is a thank you. Let's help get well, you funded. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, and it's great to meet uh, John and David. Thank you all so much for having me on. Oh no, thank you, you for doing it. So, I guess we'll we'll start out with uh, the question we normally ask our guests: uh, Is comic writing something you always wanted to do? No, um, you know, it, the the whole plan for a good chunk of my life was uh, you know heavy metal rock and roll mansion. Um, you know, 
uh, and along the way, um, I got into writing and acting, um, along with being a musician, I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've just realized like that part of me is never going to die until my hands break. Um, it's just something I love doing. Um, but I discovered filmmaking and writing kind of along the way. Um, and I'll try and do this quickly. So, uh, with a film group up here in Boston, uh, we got together and in a handful of years, we made like 60 short films together. Um, that handed itself off to a web series that I created, uh, that's still up on YouTube. It's called 664, The Neighbor of the Beast. Okay. Um, and we shot, <laughs> yeah, it's about a family, uh, uh, husband and wife buy a house and realize they've moved next door to Satan, who's trying to live a quiet suburban life away from hell. And hilarity ensues. Um, We're just very good at titles, too. Yeah. (laughs) We, uh, yeah, we shot uh, 34 episodes of that over a two plus year stretch. Um, And by the end of that, where, you know, I was was writing the next episode so we could shoot it, so I could edit it, so we could write the next one. Yeah. Basically chasing my tail for for two plus years. Um, When we finished the second season, uh, I was like, all right, I need a break. Um, and what I kind of found during that break is around that same time, uh, I was starting to watch more and more stuff about San Diego Comic-Con. And this was mm-hmm. right before it spiked. Like it was growing, but it was before the Twilight spike. Yeah. Um, and I'm watching the coverage going, I think I want to go to Comic-Con. And by the fourth day of coverage, I'm like, we're going to Comic-Con! <laughs> <laughs> um, and so going to my first Comic-Con in 08 re-sparked my interest in comics. So I'd been, I'd been a kid, um, you know, in the, you know, whatever the early eighties, like the Claremont X-Men were my, you know, right. way in. Um, but then I grew up and my older brother moved out. So that, that easy ride to the shop went away. And so I kind of drifted away from comics, but you know, I have been and always will be, you know, nerd geek, whichever word you want to throw out there. Um, so 08 kind of like recharged it all. And I was sitting in a panel. It was, it was, and I will always remember this. It's, it's, it was Oni's how not to break into comics. And as they were talking through it, and I was actually sitting next to a friend of mine who's an artist and I'd known him for years. It dawned on me like comics. That's the way that I could keep telling kind of like cinematic visual stories. Because one of the hampering things about short film is, there's kind of like a rule of thumb. If you can't shoot it, don't write it. So basically, mm-hmm. if you don't have access to a pirate ship, don't write an epic pirate movie because you can't do anything with it. Right. So that's why 80% of the web series and our shorts happened at my house. <laughs> um, but you get the right artist. You've got yourself an uh, epic pirate tale that you can tell. Right. And so that began, you know, as JD said, you know, uh, I guess at this point, an 11 year uh, journey through writing comics, along with, you know, still doing the music and scripts and stuff like that. But like output wise, comics has been my main thing for 10, 11 years at this point. Cool. Um, which actually, that's a good segue because I watched the Kickstarter video for Charlie's Place and the concept sold me right away because cool. you mentioned you know, finding your tribe and Comic-Con. And it's one of those things where like, as most uh, 
geeks will say, um, we spend our lives feeling like we're on the outside. And like the first time I went to Comic-Con, which was in two, no, 1999, was a local convention here in Philadelphia. Um, I was like, I feel like I found my tribe. I feel like I'm home. And I'm like, all right, I got to read this book because <laughs> this appeals to me more than anything. Thank you, man. It's That was one of kind of like, I don't know, kind of the human truths as overdramatic as that might sound. Uh, but one of the human truths I know I wanted to tap into was putting it together. And then, you know, the creative team of Meredith Laxton, Ali Pepitone and Taylor Esposito just like picked that ball up and ran with it. It was the idea of like, they're like entire worlds, like all around you and, and right behind you that we mm-hmm. just we don't know whether we're ignoring them by purpose or accident or we're just so in our heads, we kind of lose what's happening on the periphery, right. um, you know, and and it, with Charlie, you know, when we find him, he's a guy who has kind of isolated himself uh, because he's afraid he's too broken to be worthy of anybody's love or attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he doesn't feel like he's worthy of that, um, he just he he just kind of blinders down, does his thing, goes home. And that's it. Right. Um, but what, you know, what we find out is that, you know, no, actually, yeah. And I think we all kind of have that moment where you, where you think nobody cares, you know, mm-hmm. if you're on the creative side, nobody cares what I'm making and all that stuff. Um, right. But then, you know, throughout, throughout, I don't know, life just going through it, you kind of realize now actually a lot of people have my back, you know, it's just the dumb lizard brain part that's kicking in, <laughs> telling us, you know, the lies Yep. The lizard brain. Um, what was the uh, inspiration to make him a, a vet? Um, when I was putting this together, um, I happened to just be catching a bunch of shows that had turned the PTS veteran into a crazy psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, in a short amount of time, like I said, multiple shows kind of hit that trope. And if it was just one, it would have been one. But like I said, it was it was a bunch in a short amount of time. And it just struck me as a combination of bullshit and lazy. Sorry, I just think I just demonetized you. Um, here, we'll edit. We'll, we'll edit it. We don't make any money. It doesn't matter. It was, no, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll just say something else and put it over over yeah. your mouth moving. Yeah. Here, we'll just give you a clean, we'll clean. BS. Yeah. Uh, it you know it was BS and it was lazy um, because you know I I do have military friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and while they might be going through what they're going through, they are not dangerous. They mm-hmm. are not on the edge or anything like that. They're just, and, and, you know, it, like all of us, we're all dealing with our own stuff. Right. Um, and 99% of us are doing it kind of quietly, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. um, maybe you kind of confi- betray that a lot. Like all the they, they they do kind of betray like almost every TV series I've seen. It's always like the one with the homeless vet is always like the guy who's, you know, suddenly bursts out with a knife or something. Right, and and that's that's just not the case, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so when I was putting the pieces of Charlie together, um, I did want to use the shorthand of the homeless vet. Like, how do you how do you end up? How do you end up in Charlie's spot? Sorry right. for the for the pun on that. Um, but you know, the homeless vet is is a shortcut. 
but then we did the work to make him more than the cliche right you know um he had you know he he can function he's just on an elevated scale going through some stuff and we've all felt like whatever we're going through we're bringing down the people around us we don't want to put our burden onto the people we love because we love them and they love us and it feels unfair Mm -hmm. um and so you know we've all felt that well you put it into you know you put it into a comic book you turn it up to 11 and you know you tell a story right um you know these last five minutes like the book's actually funny yeah, <laughs> the the thing we were trying to I you know again I tried to do and then Meredith Alley and Taylor so expertly picked up and ran with uh, was some of my favorite books are ones where you can be laughing on one page and then you turn it and you know there's something very they hit you with something very human and very real. Um, I've loved books like those. My my Northern Lights for this book have been. Uh, Terry, a lot of Terry Moore, so Strangers in Paradise or Motor Girl, um, but then also kind of more recently, Scotty Young, uh, his Middle West and I Hate Fairyland books, mm-hmm. um, I think are just four wonderful examples of how you can tell ridiculous, over the top, like worthy of the comic book medium stories, but it can still have a human core and heart that you can right. use to tell a story. So that, you know, that was the bar I set for myself. And now, you know, now's the fun part of putting it out into the world and seeing if we cleared it or we ganked it. That is always the tough part. Um, and any in artistic endeavor is presenting it to everyone going like me. I mean, like my work. I, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I just came across a tweet that was essentially like, every time a creator puts something out there, all they're asking is for you to love them. I was like, oh, <laughs> Uh, now will you now now will you love me it's like oh it's too close to home twitter Stop it's more like pay me right pay me please um i think some of the 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 the, i think most of us have like set the sail on that like you know we 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 kind of realize like that part that's the unicorn in all of this you know but even on a small level we can be loved we'll pay you an exposure of course, oh, mm. <laughs> uh, rent worthy exposure. Uh, I, I've, I, in a former life, I was I played in a, a couple different bands, and yes, I've been there too. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, oh yeah, but it, playing here is great exposure. <laughs> yeah, I will say one of the nice things about being a creative of an you know, of an older, I don't know, a gentleman of an older age um is you do get to leave kind of all that behind like i i'm not gonna lie like you know there there was there were some dark months when i realized oh that rock and roll mansion's not gonna be coming over the horizon now what the hell do i do i've got a basement with 13 guitars in it and you know kind of all this stuff and you know i'll admit like you know for a while um i wasn't the most pleasant person to be around i was essentially in a mourning period um you know the 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 dream of the 16 year old had to be put to bed right but what it did do is i realized well if i'm gonna make anything um it's got to be because i enjoy it and that the experience should be as fun and as stress-free as possible because that's all you know we can control we have yeah we have no idea if the Kickstarter will fund, we have no idea if somebody will download the album or anything like that. We don't control that. 
Right. Um, so if there is no promise of money at the end, if you know, there's someone who isn't paying us, why would you go through hell knowing like there's no, you know, like monetary payoff or something like that? So that's why I try and go into all these projects of trying to make it, like I said, as fun, enjoyable and collaborative as possible, because that's what we can control. And whatever happens, happens after that. Yeah, I mean, I think in my own personal opinion, I think the reason creative people do what they do is because we have to express ourselves somehow, you know, and it really isn't about the money, you know, I mean, that would be nice. But yeah. But it's really about there's something in us we need to get out into the world. It, I I like playing what if, mm-hmm. you know, um, I love I'm I'm still I still get inspired. I'm still curious. Um, I still want to try things, you know, mm-hmm. um, on the music side over these last couple of years, I'm becoming a lot better of an engineer and mixer. And I'm really proud of that. I can hear like yeah. over the last three years, I can get better with it. And that's great. That is fulfilling. Um, if we bring it back to the reason I'm talking to y'all with Charlie's spot, um, it's easily the best thing I've written. Um, and it's because I'm learning, I'm learning the craft and I'm learning how to use that craft in a collaborative way, you know, mm-hmm. and, and showing this book to people and hearing their takes on it. And someone had just said, you know, I appreciate, you know, the, um, God, I, I had it and lost it. But you know, he's like, you know, I I like how you use dialogue. You know, you mm-hmm. you, you don't you don't overstay your welcome. Right. And and I, that's something I've been working on. Like you look at the first comic I did, like right after uh, coming from screenplays and short films. Like it's just monologue. It is a you know, it's word bubbles, and they're and they're accidentally got some art in the way. You know, Um, but part of maturing and learning the craft is kind of realizing like, no, like the process might start with the writer, but it's a visual medium Mm -hmm. and you have to you have to honor that, you know, um, how people take the medium in. But then also your collaborators, you know, it's it's cliche, but like if I write, you know, you know, our character stares down 10,000 samurai. I'm done in five seconds. That's a week for the artist. Right. You know? Um, so it's kind of, you know, just like I said, learning the craft along the way and being able to like, okay, I improved. Am I good? I don't know. That's not my job. I'm also an artist, which means I can never say I'm good. Um, there's, you know, some sort of like clockwork orange reflex about that. Um <laughs> Cool. That's the first time I'd used that analogy. I didn't know if it was going to land. I'm glad. Ah. I'm glad I found the right audience for that one. Um, you know, but it, but you know, like I said, that curiosity and just wanting to improve just for the for its own sake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um, JD didn't laugh, so he probably didn't get the reference. Uh, got it. Oh, he's a baby. <laughs> he, he, he's he's putting his bed together in the basement. Uh, <laughs> I, I, the basement. I got an office. Uh, it's oh. Fortnite. <laughs> bed right here. I don't even play video games, so I don't get that one. <laughs> you just get to build a little fort, cushioned fort. Oh, that I have. That's already been done. <laughs> uh, oh, so uh, so playing the game of what if? Yeah. If if uh, it. it if the book is successful, um, this is issue number one that we're kickstarting, right? So uh, do you have other issues planned after that? It is a four-issue series. Mm-hmm. 
and those four issues are done. Okay. Um, so this is kind of the first domino of the, the Kickstarter for the first issue is the first domino of, well, what avenue are we going to go down next? Right. Um, that could be bringing the second issue to Kickstarter soon. That could be just going right to a graphic novel version of it, mm-hmm. throwing that right out there. Um, so part of this is is a, the learning experience as well. Like, you know, we talked about it earlier. Like, you know, this is, this is you know, step one is making the thing. Step two is seeing if the world cares. Right. You know? um, and, you know, so far, so far, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm really happy. This is this is the sixth comic book Kickstarter I've run. The fifth in like the last two and a half years. So, you know, pretty tight. Um, this, with two weeks to go, this has become the most backed Kickstarter I had. Like the number of people backing it. Um, right. And we're on the precipice of it being the most funded book I've ever done. You need um, $251 so. more. That's it. Next year. Oh, is that where we're at? Yep. Yep. I was just looking okay. at it. So I, yeah, I think in about a hundred bucks. So around that mid thirty eight hundred, like around thirty eight fifty, that'll be the most I raised on a book for Kickstarter. Cool. So um, I love hearing that. Yeah, that's that's a couple things that you know. I am one of like my my hobbies is dissecting the stupid creative lizard brain, um, and what because I'm terrible. Uh, and I am trying to not be terrible and I'm trying to help people when they kind of go through these things. Um, so like one of my isms is I'm really good at turning wins into losses. Um, Mm -hmm. so trying not to do that, you know, in the past, I would look at the rate that this has been funded and look at other people, you know, contemporaries, friends, and see how theirs funded faster, you know, blah, you know, all that stuff. And I would turn this into a loss when the fact of the matter is this, like I said, this more people have backed this than anything else I've backed than, than I put out there before. We will cross that 3850 threshold. Um, we are going to get funded. Yeah. You know, with mm-hmm. seven days. Yeah. As, as this is recording seven days left and I guess 251 bucks mm. like, uh, and I've had a chance to share the whole series with some people. And man, the, the 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 crown I'm wearing right now is I've made two grown men cry. <laughs> That's a win, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so yeah. So that's what's you know, and like I said, that's that's something I'm you know I want to get better at as well. Is is yeah? There is a Kickstarter isn't just some weird I don't know magical thing. It's it's hard work. It's planning, and it's something mm-hmm. you can grow on as a creator and producer. Um, would you so, attribute your success right now to your subtle use of David Bowie? <laughs> you think it's subtle. You just wait. Um, <laughs> does it ever hurt when you bring Bowie into the mix? No, uh, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> no. Um, but you know, kind of bouncing that off, you know, what's made this project really easy to talk about is like, I've talked about him a little bit, but Meredith Laxton, our illustrator, Ali Pepitone, the colorist, and Taylor Esposito, the letter, are so goddamn good that I that I can bypass my own isms. I don't have to talk about me. I've got three incredible artists who did elevating work. And so I can just like put the spotlight on 
Meredith, on Allie, on Taylor, um, because truly they were an absolute dream to work with. You know, like I said, uh, I'm a collaborator at heart. Um, I love throwing uh, creative energy around and ideas around and watching how people take it and yes, and it and build it into something more than I thought it could be um, and better and watch them put their own creative DNA and passion into it. Um, I, you know, I'm not a dictator. I'm not a my way or highway type of person at all. Um, and so, you know, starting off with Meredith, who is just a wonderful, just the stars aligning, being able to work with her, um, this, depending on how the timeline falls out, this might be the first big thing she's done. Um, Mm -hmm. but her 2021 is going to look great. She's, she's got this book. She's got Charlie spot. She also did a book called MPLS sound with Joe Illich. Um, who's, you know, a, you know, DC editor for right. years. Um, awesome dude. Uh, she's going to have that. I believe it's coming out as a graphic novel somewhere in 2021. Um, and she's a fantastic storyteller on her own. So getting to be able to work with somebody who could see that script, see what I was going for and go, okay, what if we chop these panels, you know, merge these, you know, push, pull, um, you know, and I'll just say it like, when you get to the end of the book, if you like the last two pages of the book, you're probably going to incorrectly credit me with the ending of the book. It's Meredith. Like, you know, if you read the book, like basically if this is an 80 page story, I originally like on page 78, I was like, we're done. And I was really happy with that ending. I thought I nailed it. I thought I was very, you know, very writerly. And she read it. She's like, I like it, but what about X, Y, and Z because of ABC? I was like, oh my Lord, you're right. Hmm. So, you know, those last two pages are 100% her made the book exponentially better. And that's just the, the biggest thing I can point to. We got 80 pages of her taking and making things, improving things and making them better. Um, you know, if you like David Bowie, um, hmm. And you like David, you know, in quotes, you can't see me, uh, you know, <laughs> podcast world, but finger quotes. If you, if you like David Bowie, um, it's Meredith. It was, it was her kind of like initial idea that I just leaned into. Um, and our book is better for it. Um, so she was a dream to work with. Um, she knew Allie uh, for colors and, um, Beyond like the talent that Allie has, and Allie is an incredibly talented colorist. Um, what I will forever be grateful for her is, you know, she came in about halfway through the production. Like this, this book has also been in the works, and I found the email recently. It's been in the works since July fourth, twenty eighteen. That's okay. when uh, Meredith and I were introduced to each other. So it's been two plus years, um, and about halfway through that is when we started to start, you know, get the colors going. And Allie came in with such energy and enthusiasm that it reminded me like, oh, right. I love this book. That's why we're doing that. You know, um, we just kind of gotten caught up in the, you know, you're in the middle of the project. Nothing sexy happens in the middle of the project. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you're just grinding through because it's the middle of the project. Right. So her coming in and just like I said, that shot in the arm, that reminder of how much I love this book in the story and how much I wanted to get out into the world was fantastic. And then Taylor, um, like originally I was going to letter to this book and it would have been fine. 
Like you can pick up my work and you'll, you can follow the flow. You're not going to get lost. You're not going to go ew and put the book down. It would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But when it was time to letter, I mean, I had, I had brought in a mutual friend of JD's and mine. His name's Rich Duick. He's a fantastic <laughs> writer on his own. I brought him in to edit the book because I wanted to be as good as I could for this book. Mm-hmm. Meredith comes in and she crushes it. She's elevating the book. Uh, Allie comes in, she's crushing it. She's elevating the book. And it just hit me like, so I'm going to take this whole thing to like the 10 yard line and go, good job guys. Let's kick the field goal. Like that's right. That, that undercuts everybody's work that they've done to that point. And so when I started looking for a pro, like, yeah, a pro pro to letter this, um, I knew Taylor from comics, Twitter. And I mean, anybody steps foot, in a comic book store on a Wednesday, you've seen Taylor's name and you've seen his work from image dark horse and everything else under the sun. But um, what sealed it for me was walking through just a, you know, a normal Northeast con um, walking through artist alley and a guy was set up. um, And I noticed Taylor's name was on his book and I was flipping through it. And the, the same professionalism and quality that you would have found in Taylor's work for dark horse or image was in this guy's book, you know, Mm-hmm. And that's what sealed it for me, that he will put the same amount of time and care into somebody, you know, making 25 copies of their book to bring to a convention versus an image book that's going to sell thousands and be on every shelf. Um, and so he came in and just he's just he's Taylor Esposito, man. He's he's forgotten more about lettering than I'll ever know. Hmm. Um, and he's just a smooth pro. And he also uh, humored all of my lettering questions along the way, <laughs> which I will always appreciate. Because like I said, there's there's always a curiosity and there's always definitely the, you know, you're sitting at the feet of a guru asking him like, you know, a 101 question. Mm-hmm. And he's teaching, you know, the the, the, the doctorate level. You know. Yeah, I, I love that you that you praising him, too, because like I think a lot of times letterers don't get any appreciation mm-hmm. in the business. Not yeah. at all. And oh, I'm sorry. John? Oh, oh no, I, I've seen, I've actually, um, it, it's kind of weird that you mentioned that because there have been a couple of um, uh, comics uh, going around on Facebook every once in a while, because I got a lot of friends that are creators and everything about letters yeah. okay? and, and about how bad it could actually look if they don't yes, know what they're doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, you can walk through any artist alley and you can <laughs> see how, and you can see how bad it will get. And I say that, um, as somebody who recently ish went back and relettered my entire first book, um, because once you start learning, you realize quickly how much you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think just like anything, um, you know, again, we'll, we'll go back to music and guitar, you know, like, you know, at the time, you know, watching somebody like an Eddie Van Halen, you know, mm-hmm. do his thing. And you're like, I want to do that, <laughs> you know. Look at how awesome that is. Look at how easy that is. You know, and then you pick it up and you try and you're like, oh, the reason it looks easy is because he's really, really good. And this is really, really hard. Yes. And so the, you know, the learning curve of, of lettering your first book, again, is a spike because you're suddenly realizing everything you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it looks easy is because they're really, really good. Yeah. No, definitely, and uh, I feel the same way about inkers too. A lot of times, mm-hmm. inkers don't get any credit, and and they uh, they do an amazing job. I do also want to mention. So, um, we did get a chance to look at the books, and the art 
I think fits the style um, of what you're going for perfectly. And uh, like, I, I don't know how else to say it. Um, it in, in some ways, it kind of reminds me of like old Archie books, but oh, like in a good way, you know, like it, it's got it's like Archie, but with a little bit of an edge. And I think it fits mm. what you're you're doing perfectly. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, when I saw uh, Meredith's portfolio, um, what struck me is that it, it felt grounded plus. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it, she's not photorealistic, right. but she's also not full-blown cartoony. Right. Um, where it, it feels like you're watching human beings just exaggerated enough for the comic book medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to use that to our advantage you know where i could write less like you know the number of yeah i would look for reasons not to write any dialogue and just let meredith you know put a facial reaction Mm -hmm. to it um because you know her facial reaction is gonna be better than anything i can write right and the writing would just get in the way of of great artwork um and yeah this this you know we kind of going back to how we started you know, that there is this this kind of like serious character at the heart of all of this. Mm-hmm. But the story really is kind of like I reference like Big Lebowski every now and then. Okay. Because the Big Lebowski is, in theory, a simple story. He mm-hmm. just wants his rug back. And every step of the way, it just spirals out of control. Right. And that was another kind of thing I wanted to play with is can we take a simple a, a simple idea? This guy just wants to get his busking spot back. Right. And then how can it spiral out of control the the more he tries to get it back? And those over-the-top elements, um, and as you go into the book, the the uh, literal and figurative magical elements of this book, I mean, Meredith, Meredith and Allie, because her coloring, as we go mm-hmm. through the book, um, really just accentuates this this story you know and and meredith and Allie do a wonderful job of like you know if we need to ground you in charlie's apartment it feels like yeah i could i could see this apartment mm-hmm. and then if we need to hit you with something bizarre and and magical then right they nail it yes and again and i think that's why the style works really yeah. well yeah because if it was too realistic then it takes you out of the book when something magical happens mm-hmm yeah. Well, there is one part of the book that's a little bit strange. So how much is Silver Shamrock paying you for the bear masks? <laughs> that, um, that, that's interesting that you say that because I know where I first got the idea from. Yeah. And I know we morphed it to just, you know, make, you know, move it a couple degrees away from where I was going. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting to see what you, what, what you and then other people will take from it um it's actually one of my favorite things about this book is there's just something about that deadpan bear head that you mm-hmm. can put like any emotion on and you know once meredith started turning in kind of like the, her designs of the bear i'm like oh we're leaning heavy into this bear whenever <laughs> possible we're oh, going yeah. with this bear it's always it's always staring at you from the background, like yeah, and, and it, I mean, you, when you say leaning heavily into it, like it's it's a perk in the Kickstarter is a bear. Mask. Yes. Well, yes. yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I I like I like stuff. I like you know fun <laughs> gack when it comes to Kickstarters. Um, and I'm also yeah, I've become a sucker for pins. Um, 
And so I've done two pins for other books. And when I was thinking about the Kickstarter, I wanted to do another pin. And kind of coming out of the gate, you could do one of Charlie. Like, you know, again, Meredith and Allie, I think, created a recognizable character in Charlie and specifically his hat. Mm. That's a great little character piece. But and and that might be great for like the second issue. But if we're trying to capture people right off the bat, mm-hmm. bearhead. Bearhead is what <laughs> yeah. jumped out at us. So, you know, we took the we took the bearhead as the pin, and then it is also 2020, and we yeah. are all here. And I and I was like, well, that could kind of be a fun mask too. Um, and mm-hmm. so I put the, I put you know, the idea of, of getting your own bear mask um, as the perk. <laughs> and I will admit, like I waffled on that a lot. Like at one point, you know, I always thought it'd be funny, especially when I saw Meredith's mock-up. I'm like, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go to the Kickstarter page, um, you know, just search Charlie Spot on Kickstarter, you can see the mock-up. But I waffled on it. Um, you know, would people actually want it? Um, is this something we can have fun with? Um, mm-hmm. Because it is a bear head, you know, a, a basically a bear muzzle that you'd be wearing as a mask. <laughs> I've been <laughs> pleasantly surprised with the number of people who, like, pre-launch were like, well, I'm getting a bear mask. Um, and then... Uh, well, it's an, an add-on, so, you know. That, that, and that's where I was going to go. Of all the add-ons, and we have a pretty robust add-on list, yeah. by far, the bear mask is the <laughs> most added-on bit. So, um, that, so that's made me happy as well. Yeah, it's always, it's funny, too. And I think, I do think that's a smart move. I, I think of things like Rick and Morty and like, what's the biggest thing from Rick and Morty? Pickle Rick. Like everyone is attached to Pickle Rick. It's one episode. It was silly, yeah. but it's like, that's the thing. So but yeah. Struck, do, yeah. Yeah. Well then Szechuan sauce. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those poor, those poor restaurant workers. <laughs> oh, those poor, poor people. They didn't ask for that. No, no. <laughs> they just wanted to go home. They just wanted to go home on time. I don't even remember it being a big deal when it first came out, and it was just so, so silly. The zeitgeist picks up weird balls and just runs with them. Yeah, you know, like, like, look, I'm a huge fan of Popeye's chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will flat out admit, like in our household, uh, Popeye's chicken sandwiches and Wendy's frosties have like basically gotten us through these last eight months. <laughs> um. But rioting and lining up for hours for a chicken sandwich, I, you know, again, as someone who's packed away a few over these last eight months, I don't, I still wouldn't wait in line for hours for it. But the world's a weird, weird place, man. Yes. Hey, this is 2020. Anything goes. Anything <laughs> up <bear> goes. <laughs> uh, especially bear masks. Yeah. Yes. Well, hey, and and it keeps you safe. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because it's all we want. We just. People are definitely going to social distance when they see you wearing it. I mean, it's <laughs> true. <laughs> so you mentioned um, uh, in the beginning, Claremont, uh, Claremont uh, X-Men when you were yeah. a kid. Um, what other books did you read when you were younger? Like what, what kind of got into it? That um, So what got me into it is having a brother who's nine years older than me. Okay. So, you know, he's, you know, he's 16, 17 driving himself to the comic book store well you know 
mom and dad absolutely want you to bring the eight-year-old mm-hmm. with you to you know so they can at least have a quiet house for you know a few hours yes um so it's just stuff that caught my eye it's i rediscovered all of those books um a couple of years ago I mm-hmm. uh, and just flipping through it like there are definitely some x-men covers that jump out that I was like, I remember that. But then there's also like, apparently I, I was like super into Thor. I don't remember being super into <laughs> Thor. Um, yeah, but just just a whole, you know, like seven long boxes worth of stuff. Um, but like I said, er, you know, early 80s X-Men kid, you know, you know, right into my veins with that. Um, <laughs> I also remember being a huge Defenders fan. Yes. Not remembering why I was a huge Defenders fan. Because they're... N- because yep. they're the misfits of the Marvel universe being thrown together yep. and going and doing the weirdest stuff. So that, so when I started going to, so when I had rediscovered this collection and both of my brothers, the older, and I have one younger, both basically said like, dude, you can have them. Mm-hmm. I was like, great. Um, I had decided that my f- game I would play at conventions is I am going to complete my defenders run. <laughs> One to 151. I'm going to get them all. Um, and so that, and so I did, you know, um, oh, years of, you know, San Diego, New mm-hmm. York, everything in between. Um, so completing that entire Defenders run and then realizing there were basically like three issues, three like random issues that were pre-Defenders. Like, well, great. Now I got to get the pre-Defenders <laughs> books. You know, and now we're going back into like early 70s. I'm like, yep. oh, this is getting like way more expensive than I wanted it to. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not putting my kids through college on this. It's just a dumb itch that needs to be scratched. Um, and I have been slowly like rereading them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's a it's a trip going back and reading these books, you know. So so defenders from you know, where I'm at is like, you know, maybe 74 to 76. Mm-hmm. Um, but like kind of related, I remember getting like a digital copy of Avengers number one. Okay. And like, oh, Avengers number one, the one that started it all. And I'm reading it going like, this is a mess. This is garbage. <laughs> How? You know, this this was in the heyday of like, all right, so there's a panel and we're going to have dialogue boxes. Mm-hmm. We're going to have captions and we're going to have thought bubbles. <laughs> right. Now over to panel two. <laughs> <laughs> um yes you know it it's interesting it's interesting to to go back and read all this stuff and that's also when we were still kind of formatted where it was like we have six panels on every page mm. yeah, yeah like like we can't play with that format and i was like it took a long time it <laughs> to did get where yeah. we are you know and and you know the colors were what they were mm-hmm. you know the technology was what it was yeah. you know so like I think it's Hawkeye. It's a big purple smudge, so I'm just going to assume it's Hawkeye. There's a there's a reason Hulk is green and not gray. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, all of those that they're just big bright colors. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I actually I don't. I've never had the itch to complete the Defenders, but I do have a large <laughs> chunk of them in my collection. It, you know, it it was just something. It was it was a fun hunt. Like right. you know, when I when I go to conventions, I don't buy a lot i mean if there's a plus to getting into conventions at an older age mm-hmm. you kind of like realize well i got no place to put that like you know so that that statue 
Like, you know, that statue of Taskmaster. Why do I like Taskmaster? I don't know. I just <laughs> do. But, you know, and every now and then I'll see like, oh, that's a gorgeous statue. I have no place to put it. Thank mm-hmm. God. Or, you know, <laughs> you know, I'd be explaining a $200 credit card bill, you know, to what sideshow collectibles or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it was fun and relatively inexpensive. Like most of those books you could find for a buck. And then, right. oh, the bane of my existence for a while is you you always find like there's a book that you can't find. And then you realize, oh, really? It's because Hellcat appeared in the you know, first <laughs> appearance of Hellcat. You know, so every, for 20 issues before and 20 issues after, I can get it for a buck. And now mm-hmm. I actually have to haggle so I can get, you know, it's like I don't care about Hellcat. I just I have a gap that needs to be filled. <laughs> exactly. You know? Like I'll, I, you know, I'll work and do the research for number one. But you know, whatever random Hellcat appearance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, fun! Remember convention? Oh, uh, those are good. Feels like a long time ago at this point. How does it feel like it's been years and still weeks at the same time? This is like I, I know I'm not saying anything new. I'm not breaking mm-hmm. any ground. No, but you know at nine you know my i got sent home from work and my son got sent home from school on the same day you know uh friday the 13th Ah. march March 13th (laughs) and how that can feel like weeks ago and years ago at the same time it's it blows my mind yeah it feels weird having all this extra money (laughs) (laughs) i I have i have been feeling the same way because you know it costs um, yeah it it I don't, I'm not driving into work anymore. So I'm not paying for parking. I'm not right. paying for the train or anything like or that. Gas, yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Where, you know, again, I, I'm very lucky where I live. It's an easy shot into Boston where I worked. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky I could get away with filling my car like once a week now, you know, like once three weeks, every four weeks. Yeah. So yeah, it's, and okay. Do you also have, you know, sorry, we're going off on a tangent, but you know, um, I also have a bit of like guilt about like I'm yeah that I am saving money during all of this that like I'm okay I'm I'm yeah. very lucky that my gig yeah. just went my gig just went to my house you know, yeah um, oh it's the same with us we're we're well not all of us oh, right. <laughs> well, yeah. well you're John, writing books I mean <laughs> it doesn't quite replace the uh, money I lost on you know video work that has died yeah. but yeah. you know. Yeah, well, well, I mean, John and I are are software developers in our mm. day job, so it was just like a very easy transition for us. But yeah, poor JD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but the the money I was saving, I was talking about, was you know going to conventions for us is like oh, there's that. The New York yeah. Comic Con would have dropped. I would have dropped three thousand dollars, and yeah. most of that would have been on the hotel. You know, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I was paying this year. Remember. Uh, Oh, I had already oh, had a book. Yeah, now we know why COVID hit now. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, man, I was I was home every weekend during the summer, which has not happened in 10 years. You know, whether it's yeah. going to San Diego or, you know, on a normal year, I'd be doing five, maybe seven conventions, you know, mm-hmm. just just setting up a table and doing it on my own, you know, and and especially in August, you know, for Boston, it's, we've got like two or three like big ish shows mm-hmm. around the area. And like most of my August are like, you know, gone, gone. And, you know, 
And that's also when my son's birthday is. And it always, yeah, that always uh, got a little negotiating. Like I always, I was trying to, to, to go through the uh, eye of the needle with that one. Right. But yeah, it was, we, we, we've been home. <laughs> well, yeah, a good, he, your son had a good birthday this year then, right? Um, he, well, he spent it with he you. Is, <laughs> yes. I, here, okay. Here's, here's the thing. And by the way, pull me back into any line of conversation you want. Um, because this is kind of like the George experience. It's like, ooh, is that a thread? Let me follow it. Um, but I mean, like I said, since March 13th, we have literally been on the, the same couch yeah. since then. And 95% of it has been, you know, good to great, um, which I am so incredibly thankful for. So he's 11. Um, and I couldn't imagine going through this with a kid younger than that. Like, you know, right now, like we, we yeah. get along and it's wonderful. But he's also 11 years old, which means give him his switch or TikTok, mm-hmm. and he's pretty much self-contained and self-entertained. Right. I've got coworkers with you know three, four-year-olds. Oh, what's that like? When the, yeah, when the, <laughs> when the kids, yeah, JD. So you know this. You know, at that age, you are their entertainment system. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so <laughs> so like I said, I couldn't imagine going through this with with a younger with a younger kid. Um, and also at 11, and again, I give him so much credit for this. Um, he gets it. He knows what's going on and he right. knows why. And so he can rationalize. I understand, but it still sucks. Yeah, yes. like, dude, you're doing better than a lot of people when it comes to, to you know, like, you know, there, there were plans for, multi, you know, getting a bunch of his friends together for his birthday and yeah. you know, all that stuff. We couldn't do it. Yeah. But but he understands, um, which again I he he blows me away with you know how he's handling all of this because there are people three or four times his age that are not handling it as no. classy oh. and thoughtful <laughs> as he is. <laughs> we we'll, we'll leave it at that. That's I think that's the best way to put it. This uh, is how we're gonna get demonetized. <laughs> uh, so besides uh, Charlie's place. Um, what are some other books that you've you've written that people can get their hands on? Sure. Um, if you go to homelesscomics.com, uh, that's kind of that that's my imprint, and you'll find uh the four books that um I've been a part of. Uh the first book uh that we kind of talked about earlier is called Healed. Mm-hmm. And it's what would happen tomorrow if all life-threatening disease and illness went away today. Hmm. Um, which was a lot more interesting before. Uh, now I know it, it looked like the part, it looked like the end of the Star Wars trilogy with all the parties on all the planets. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, um, so I did that. That was the book that was essentially born out of that. How not to make you know pitch a comic book mm-hmm. uh, with my friend uh, Griffin S. Um, so that graphic novel's up there. Uh, after that, Griffin and I wanted to work together again, but something a little less serious. So um, we had noticed that there were. There weren't a lot of, there were books for adults at these conventions, mm-hmm. yeah, adult readers. I don't, you know, um, and that there were kids books, but there weren't a lot of books that I would kind of say like that Looney Tunes model where everybody can watch it together and everybody's mm-hmm. laughing, but maybe at different things. Right. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to try and do that for our next book. And so we created something called Baby, which is essentially um, Clifford meets Godzilla. 
where the uh, you know a, a baby monster from the deep accidentally starts destroying Atlantic City in the most <laughs> adorable way possible. Um, and it was it was kind of inspired by watching my son mm-hmm. learn how to walk. Where <laughs> well, where you realize that it's not that he wants to knock things over; he's just right. bad at walking. So what if all these monsters, you know, from the deep? It's not that they hate Tokyo or New York; they've just never walked on land before, and it's a big misunderstanding. <laughs> Um, so that was, that was the second one that we did. And then the third book is called Silent Night. And it answers the question, what does Santa Claus do with the rest of his year? And we think obviously he'd be a crime fighting crime noir private eye using his (laughs) Santa powers to help find lost children. I love this book. Well, that, that's obvious. I mean, I, and Jane, I don't know why I didn't think of that. JD, you can check me on this, but I think you're the one that named it. Possibly. I, th- I think you're the one that threw out the title Silent Night. Um, Might have been. Im- and immediately I was like, oh, that's it. Um, that in class or something like that? I, I, I want to say it was, you know, maybe it was. I don't remember. Yeah. You know, um, I'll take the credit. I'm happy to do yeah, that. But... <laughs> um, just know, like in, in my Swiss cheese brain, I give you the credit for that. I'll take it. Uh, and then, um, JD, I can't remember if you were part of this. Uh, if were you part of Great Zombies in History? No, I didn't take place in that one. Okay, so and then there's a fourth book. It's an anthology called Great Zombies in History. Uh, the idea being that our history books have been lying to us mm-hmm. forever, and that zombies clearly have played a much bigger role in historical events than anyone's willing to admit. Uh, so we're getting the truth out there one story <laughs> at a time. Um, and all four of those books are up on homeless comics you can download free previews and you can order them directly for me cool yeah i'm i'm shocked that uh, jd had any collaboration with you at all jd doesn't like working with others not really <laughs> maybe i got it in before he was too cynical i got grandfathered in uh, no, i didn't get to do it because i was trying to get uh, the stuff for deluge up and running at mm. the time when you guys did that and all my time money and effort went into that for four years yep uh <laughs> So um, obviously you have a, 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 in my opinion, you have a great sense of humor. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, and I think, I think everyone else here agrees. Um, where, where are some of the things that you get inspiration from then? Um, there's, there's so much. Um, I love, I love great writing and I love great acting. And I, I that might be more uh, pedestrian than I mean it to be, but like I ruin stuff we watch for my wife because like it'll be the tiniest look the tiniest glance the tiniest movement or just a simple word and i will like make her pause it and i will have to like break it down (laughs) and dive into it um so it's it's just i try to consume because i know it'll help me when i create you know Mm -hmm. i you know the yeah the the breathing in is the consuming and then the breathing out is is the writing um when it comes you know so so comics are like the big consistent thing that i read um and i just kind of keep i i try and keep my eye out for books that just sound interesting and ideas Mm -hmm. that just sound interesting um i mean there's some favorite writers and artists of mine you know that that are kind of like oh i'll give any i'll give them any chance on anything they write but then just trying to see other discover other writers and artists out there and to see what they're doing. You know, I, you know, I mentioned Terry Moore and strangers in paradise. I mean, I'm like 20 years late to that. Um, 
but but it hit me like a ton of bricks just I'm, like i'm sure it hit everybody else in whatever 93 95 um and and just kind of i think i said it earlier there's always a curiosity and i'm all and i'm a guy who loves going behind the curtain and mm-hmm. like that was awesome how did you do it right um so when i see something masterful you know, especially creative, there's a part of me that wants to dissect it and figure out how did you do it? Um, like I said, it's out of that curiosity. And then maybe, you know, it, it's a tool I can sharpen for myself. Um, mm-hmm. So if I, this, if this is dodging the question, I apologize. I just, try, I just, <laughs> I just, I just try and take in and I, and keep an open mind, mm-hmm. you know, no, no. Uh, it, that's not dodging the question at all. I think, <laughs> I mean, as a, as someone who tries to be creative himself, like I totally get what you're saying. Um, you know, well, will our audience get it? I don't know, but hopefully, <laughs> um, yeah. And it's funny because it's making me think like, it's one of those things where I love to go through artist alley um, and try to find interesting new books, yeah. new writers that I haven't read before and get them. And uh, you know, and we can't do that right now. So that's why I'm kind of hoping which, you know, we do shows like this, get your name out there and, you know, and people can discover your work. Cause it's like, I think that's important. We need to stop recycling the same ideas in Hollywood over and over again. We need to get new creative blood out there. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, John, like you were saying earlier, like, you know, yes, I, I saved money as well, but that's because I, you know, when I go to New York comic-con or San Diego, um, there's, there's a good chunk of my budget that is put aside Yep. To, and especially New York Comic Con, I will I will put aside hours to slowly walk up and down mm-hmm. those aisles, um, and and David, like you were saying, to find something new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one, it's because I'm curious, and two, you know, definitely there's a karma bit to it. Like if I can if I can yeah. throw some good karma into the small press indie, you know, grinder artists. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, section that you know when I pick my head up every now and then, it's like I'm making things too. <laughs> like you know, maybe the karma will shine back. Um, Does paying JD to kill me count as karma? Oh, it counts <laughs> in supporting your friend. Oh, right. <laughs> um, but what I've realized is, or, or I guess what I've done is, instead of going to shows and you know happily throwing money around like a drunken sailor in Artist Alley. Um, man, I am backing so many Kickstarters these days. Mm-hmm. Like these, yeah. you know, these these eight months, like the number of Kickstarters I've backed, and like at levels I probably never would have. Like right. you know, soft cover, sure. You know, a year ago, this was like, no, I need the hard cover with mm-hmm. the foil stamp. Yep. Yep. I absolutely, <laughs> positively need that. Bear mask, yes, uh, yes. Like, yes. Like, <laughs> Hashtag bear mask, yes. I, I've done the same thing actually. Like I, you know, I've I've put a couple of hundred dollars into Kickstarters over the past eight months, just because I've got like like I said, you know, like we spend three thousand dollars on on uh, on New York Comic Con, yeah. But that's not counting the you know extra thousand that I would bring. And, you know, hit up my favorite artist, mm-hmm. um, go, go see if there are any new comics, like, you know, like, um, like Dave was saying. Um, and I just, you know, I, I miss, I miss, uh, was it awesome con in DC? Yeah. I miss 
New York Comic Con, the Great Philly Comic Con in Oaks. Uh, I just there because you know it's uh, yeah. I mean every time, every once in a while you have to wade through a lot, but every once in a while you run across something that like takes you by surprise and it's just so good. And worst case scenario, even if it's something that doesn't, you know, when you do read it, you have helped that you have made that person's con a little better. And I mean, speaking as somebody who, you know, like I said, at a minimum five to seven shows a year, you know, like you're, you're living and dying you know, mentally, maybe physically, financially, <laughs> um, but def- yeah, um, with which each, each of those sales, you know, um, so, so yeah, so trying to take that karma and, and putting it back into, you know, into Kickstarters um, or just finding other ways to support people like, um, so the, the Jimmy Olsen book mm-hmm. that Fraction and uh, Steve Lieber did. Yes. Um, i I missed it on its on its um, floppy run, but I was going to pick it up in trade. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, Steve Lieber's like, "Hey, you know, buy it directly for me, and I'll, you know, for you know, whatever, for a little bit more, I'll do a sketch and a blah blah blah." I'm like, "I'm going to do that," you know, <laughs> right. like like let me support Steve directly versus Amazon, who doesn't need it, right? Yeah. Exactly. So just trying to find, you know other ways to to support to support the artist because you know because it is what it is and you know those are the things that we can do to help yes and i'm going to derail the show and this is an audio podcast but john we've been talking for an hour and this is the first time i've noticed your christmas lights on in the background and it's kind of distracting oh i found them very relaxing i love his color scheme going on i I, it's not a color scheme it's santa threw up on my um, on my floor i I, i'm still trying to untangle them Uh, day three yeah so so i'll I'll, you know it'll look much better next week but i'm still i I've spent half my day trying to untangle. <laughs> That's why I throw them out and buy new. I mean, <laughs> it's just easier that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, now I'm I'm actually I you know we're talking about this. I'm looking at the list of uh, of Kickstarters that I've I've backed and like eight. I've backed eight, and I spent a lot of money. On yeah. <laughs> so uh, but, uh, it you know this is good. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, we we have backed yours, by the way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yes. that. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that uh, um, this is normally the point where we kind of ask people what cons they're going to be at next year. Yeah. <laughs> God, um, God willing. Um, you know, there's a friend of mine um, who's a great supporter of, of local creators and artists. He runs a podcast called sci-fi saturday night um he was mm-hmm. supposed to run his first show this year oh you know, a, a creator focused yeah you know w- lovely one day event um upper valley comic-con in new hampshire hopefully that will be happening in may um i i told boston comic-con to roll my table over to 2021 so hopefully that'll happen um there is i don't know how long of a drive it would be for y'all um, but have you heard of Terrificon? Yes. yes. Cool. I've actually uh, been there. Great. Yeah, yeah. We, that, we've not, we haven't been as a podcast, but we actually have been invited twice. Nice. <laughs> um, if you can, if you can pull it off and if it's safe for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, please check it out. Um, it is next to Boston comic-con. It's probably the second longest show 
we've been going to um and it's put on really well and as a low-level degenerate gambler uh it's held at mohegan sun (laughs) so for three for two and a half three days uh, i get to merge all of my favorite things you know comic-con selling my books and like i said low-level poker Mm -hmm. um (laughs) it's great so definitely you know if 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 you get the chance check it out um and you know outside of that taking just a lot of this you know just case by case like i really yeah. hope i really hope we can start like planning for the future you know they're like planning to... rather than crossing off the future yeah there's supposed to be like three i mean there's three different vaccines at least two of them will start to be available at the end of this at the end of december if not january and then you know by by mid by mid june we should be getting back to normal that would be very nice but oh they, but it, there's going to be Sean, it's going to be it's what you you actually said something kind of positive what happened <laughs> It's dark, man. <laughs> this is what happens when you spend two hours trying to find one end of oh. a string of lights. <laughs> Just one of them. <laughs> Just, you kind of Kind of twists your mind. <laughs> I feel like we missed an opportunity by not just you setting up a hard camera and just recording the whole <laughs> event. I do yeah. feel like we missed out on on a uh, no, that would be completely sensation. demonetized. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> not for kids. <laughs> no, no. Oh, it would make sailors blush. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just uh, you know, it's as it's just. I think the reason, you know, I've been going to Kickstarter as much as I have and I've become like with, with creator friends and my circle who I've been so vocal in supporting them is this is a cluster, man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think if any, I would really hope that this has blown the, uh, the tortured artist makes the great, greatest works. (laughs) I hope it blows that cliche out of the water. Because, you know, if you listen to anybody, any medium, um, it's really hard to create right now Mm -hmm. because you actually need a quiet brain to to create your best work. And when a portion of your brain, you know, your mileage may vary if a portion of your brain is just kind of like screaming into the void on a consistent basis, Uh you know, um, the mental energy it takes to just kind of stay calm stay you know stay sane and then to try and find that mental energy to now go into pretend land mm-hmm. um it's it's tough man so finding those kickstarters to back those projects to back the artists to back or support um it's been one of the ways i've been trying to like as much as one person can kind of like just balance the scales mm-hmm. of the universe at the moment um, you know, I might not be able to help, you know, 300 million people, but, you know, in my little, my little circle, you know, if somebody's, you know, not feeling it or, or, you know, whatever it is, the imposter syndrome, mm. whatever pops in, like, at, at least I can put my cape on for that and, right. you know, and help out that way. You know, I can help somebody fund their project and get it out into the world and, and let them, you know, notch that win. Yes. Um, have you, I'm just kind of curious because I heard something the other day that like blew my mind. Um, have you been doing any signings at comic shops? Because 
um, my one of my one of my best friends from high school works for the city of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and on election day he went to a local comic shop after he voted, and I I can't remember I believe it was John Ramada Jr. was in this local shop signing, and I'm like on election day he's like yeah and if you came in and you had voted like he gave you an extra uh, he gave you one of his books for free and i'm like <laughs> that, he may have been i know tom king did that oh that's who it is that's who yeah. it was it was tom yeah. that's right it was tom king i wish that's that's what it was okay so, yeah uh no i haven't been doing any signings um for the very unsexy reason there's nothing for me to sign at the moment um you know it's it's just that yeah. and, and i have an incredibly supportive local comic book shop i mean yeah so uh you know it's new england comics um and i you know, it's it's the malden store which is in my hometown mm-hmm. um and man like anybody that's thinking about like getting into comics and making their own don't overlook your local comic book shop as as a resource right or you know because you know who goes you know who likes making comics comic book readers you know where they are the comic, comic book, book store shop. you know who you know who knows the artists and the writers who are also buying their comic books there the managers you right know, the sales associates so so there's that but then also just man if you want kind of like a download on the business side um you know i, I can't thank you know the manager's name's alan enough for that um so so they and they've been incredibly supportive it's just you know haven't been able to do anything you know this year i mean I, right. they've been wonderful i've been you know they've they've had me there for free comic book day something like seven out of the last you know eight years or something like that and i think the mm-hmm. one year is like i got a gig in new hampshire i can't pull off both um but so no i haven't i haven't been able to um you know yeah. and plus you know i've also realized i i have too much guilt to like do anything other than go into the store, buy my books. I do consider Alan a friend. So I want to know how he's doing. I want to know how his wife is doing. Right. And then I feel like I need to go um, because I don't, I don't want to risk anybody. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, And every, like every every three months or so, I would just go there on like, you know, on a Sunday when it was quiet Mm -hmm. and I would just hang out and just pick his brain. Yeah. Um, And it kind of, I always feel guilty when I'm like, all right, thanks everybody. Bye. And I'm just out. Yep. But you know, it's, it, this is not, this, I do not feel this is the time to just hang out at the store for right. hours on end. Yeah. No, Which exactly. is a shame. Cause we have like a Melgan comics near us mm-hmm. and like it's, it's, it also has uh, pastries and, you know, it, it's coffee kind of shop. a, yeah. yeah it's, it's a coffee hangout. shop. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, yeah, it's the perfect place to hang and you can't, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, uh, David, what you were saying earlier, like, you know, finding your your family, finding mm-hmm. the place where you're comfortable with. I mean, for a lot of us, that's the comic book shop. Yep. You know, um, the people there, the books, that's where we discover things, you know, um, new books, writers, artists, stories. Um, you know, for me, that's where I get an education on this industry I want to be a part of. Right. Um, it's where I have made friends some of the most in, some of the some of my most incredible backers on these kickstarters are people from the store mm, yeah you know um, makes sense it's it's a tremendous community yeah you know i mean and, it, no go ahead it's exactly what where this podcast was born out of it conventions and going to comic book shops and having that feeling of family and wanting to extend it out and and show it to the world and and yeah 
so exactly it's 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 a great community and you know people should appreciate it that yeah. are part of it um so we talked a lot about your you know how you got where you were inspirations and um your your successes um we usually sign off the podcast by saying don't let your cape get caught in the door which it's you know it it started as a joke but it actually kind of has morphed into like don't let your shortcomings or your foibles get in your way you know so what's what's a a shortcoming or, or a difficulty in your life that you've gotten over to get where you are um the first thing i will say is i haven't gotten over anything <laughs> um, it oh, is a, that's good. It is. It is a, and I, I say this because every I'm about to. This is stuff I think about a lot. Mm-hmm. So what I'm about to say might sound confident and informed, but I really wanted to throw out there. Everything I'm about to say is something I'm actively working on. Okay. Um. So if anybody else is going through this, I want them to feel like you know they're not alone. So we talked about imposter syndrome. So let's just. Let's just stay there for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I could double the length of this podcast with my <laughs> psych 101 creator, you know, thoughts. So mm. the overcome the thing I am constantly working on and occasionally overcome is our dumb lizard brain. Mm-hmm. And the the dumb lizard brain at one point was very important. It's what let us know that saber-toothed tigers were dangerous and we mm-hmm. should run away from them, uh, or we will die. And that lizard brain was awesome. Enough of us didn't get eaten by saber-toothed tigers <laughs> that we are here. We got to evolve um, to where, you know, we now get to be creative, mm-hmm. a species, you know. Um, the problem is the lizard brain is still on our head and our lizard brain doesn't understand the difference of being afraid of a saber-toothed tiger and being afraid somebody won't like your Kickstarter. <laughs> the brain i see it related I mean. <laughs> the, the brain it's it it just hits that fear danger part of our lizard brain mm-hmm. and for some people that manifests itself as imposter syndrome you know they're gonna find out i'm not as good as i think i am right. i'm just fooling people and at some point this is all gonna come crashing down you know who am i to launch a kickstarter who am i to put music out who am i to write who am i to who am i blah 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 Mm -hmm. um that all comes out of this lizard brain which you know bless its heart it thinks it's protecting us right um because it doesn't know any different um and so that was that was a lot like you know that that who am i why should i even try when i so you know when i started reading stuff when Neil Gaiman says, oh, yeah, I suffer from imposter syndrome. When Stephen King says he has imposter syndrome, that was a light bulb moment where it's like, okay, it's not me. Mm -hmm. It's our stupid lizard. Everybody is dealing with it on some level. So it's not a personal failure. It's our DNA that at one point served a great purpose. Um, But it's still hanging out here, you know. Um, Right. That was... That was eye-opening. That's when I started feeling like, okay, this is something I can work on. Um, and so just recognizing it, naming it, being able to put some sort of tangibility to it right, um, was a nice first step. Uh, the second thing that I do, and I'll, I'll throw it out there for anybody else kind of going through this, is try and find tangible things to balance the scales with. So, 
the imposter syndrome is all, you know, it's all vapor. Um, it's just a, it's just a dumb voice in your head that gets to talk, but there's nothing actually to it. It's all BS in our heads. So what I keep an eye out for is what are those wins that are real and true? For example, this, let's just take the Charlie spot Kickstarter. There are a, to me, a surprising amount of people who are backing this campaign that have backed multiple projects in the past. They are not my friends. They are not Mm -hmm. my family. They're people who discovered one of my projects, liked it and want to, and want more. Mm -hmm. Um, That's real. That's legit. That's earned. They, this is not a charity. They don't know me. They don't owe me anything. I don't owe them anything. They like the work for the work and they want to keep seeing that. So when I've got a few dozen people who fit that camp, those are real people that, you know, again, it's not charity. It's not, you know, it's not mom trying to help her, you know, her boy out. You know, these are people choosing to, you know, support you. That's real. Um, When we did have conventions, you know, again, doing it for 10 years, one of the pluses is you kind of become a fixture. Right. Um, And the, you know, uh, the handful of people that would come to Boston Comic-Con every year and like, hey, what's new? And I would point to the new thing and they go, great. And they just hand me money. I didn't have to pitch it. I didn't have to do anything. They knew me. Right. They knew our work. And sight unseen, they were ready to support it. That's real. So when I sit there and I start going down the nobody cares spiral, it's not that I can solve that. That's DNA. But what I can do is I can counter it with these real things that I have clocked. I have given myself credit for, you know, and just try and lean into that. Right. Um, that is, that's kind of like my, my, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's how I'm trying to get better every day. And I guess just the, the last thing I would throw out there, because again, this could go on for the last thing I would go out there is nobody is perfect out of the gate. Right. If you are worried, your drawing isn't going to be good enough. Your writing isn't going to be good enough. Your whatever isn't going to be good enough. Um, all I would say is go back to the first season of the Simpsons, watch a couple episodes, right? Skip ahead seven years. It's exponentially improved. Right. Um, the Simpsons, when, when you say the Simpsons season one is not what you have in mind, mm-hmm. but that's where they started. They had to start there to get to season seven, to season 30, to, to the Simpsons that you have locked in your head. Right. And you could find all sorts of other examples out there, but the, like the only way you get to season seven, season 30, whatever mm-hmm. is by doing the work, by doing that first thing. Right. That first thing is not supposed to be perfect. It won't be perfect. You will be a better creator and collaborator years down the road, but you can't become that better collaborator and that better creator without doing the first thing. Right. Um, and again, when I kind of clocked that, that gave me, that was actually kind of the per, the permission I gave myself to do 664. I didn't know anything about web series. You know, the, mm-hmm. the longest I had done is maybe an eight minute short film. Um, I don't even know if I'd written a full screenplay at that point. Um, but it sounded interesting. Um, I had an idea mm-hmm. and I had an idea of how it, how it could turn itself, you know, into, you know, 20 episodes that first season. I was also very fortunate that I had a ton of creative friends around to help right. bring it to life. 
but knowing that I could learn along the way was the permission to just start. And right. you watch, you know, go to the first season of six, six, four, you'll see like the first three or four episodes. Uh, we didn't realize how important lighting was by, by episode five, we realized how important lighting was. <laughs> so, you know, in real time, you know, in like seven minute chunks, you can see like, Oh, they shot this on a different weekend and they took everything <laughs> they learned from the first weekend and rolled it in. Right. You know? Um, so yeah. And, and I guess just in general, just, yeah, as much as you can be kind to yourself, you know, in non pandemic (laughs) worlds, be kind to yourself, especially now be kind to yourself because no one's ever lived through this. Right. No one knows what we're supposed to do. Um, and we're all making it up as we go along. So very true. Be kind to yourself. (laughs) Um, see, I told you one question, three answers. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm kind of afraid to, to, to ask our follow-up, which is usually the question we end on. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep it tight. But I, but please understand, when I said cut me off, I didn't mean I meant that. Because uh, okay. I, I know who I am. <laughs> this no, is no, your it, house. You tell me. You tell it, me. It, it, it's fine. I, I love everything that you're saying. Um, so so the, 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 the question we normally end on is, how do you measure success? Oh fuck! Great question. Sorry. Now you're, de- now you're demonetized, but now you also just hit another thing that I'm working on. Um, I am trying to be fair and kind to myself. Um, mm-hmm. Do I wish this was a Kickstarter that the Kickstarter gods smiled upon, and I wouldn't have to post about it at all, and I could just watch that ticker go up? Mm-hmm. Of course, that's the dream. Um, but those are the unicorns. So. It, right now, as we're talking, how do I measure success? Uh, by at least 30% more people have responded to this campaign than before. That's real. Um, this is the biggest campaign I've tried to pull off. And barring something out of the ordinary happening, it's it's going to fund. You know, um, I tried to improve my craft, and I believe I did. I believe this is the best thing I've written. I believe there were some bars I was trying to jump over. There were some things I I was curious and wanted to try. Um, And from what I can tell, uh, it looks like it worked. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's great. Um, uh, Continuously checking in with myself. Am I being a good collaborator? Am I, you know, am I, am I being a better collaborator than I was last week, last year, that type of thing. Um, I guess it's a very long way of just saying it's Dory. It's just keep swimming. You know, um, <laughs> you know can the next song I write, can I engineer it and mix it better and faster than the last one? Um, you know, the next comic book pitch I put together, can it be better and more professional than the last one? That's, you know, that's it. It's, it's can I feel myself improving? Right. Um, and can I give myself uh, can I give myself a win if that improvement is is in the grand scale small? Mm-hmm. That if I can start doing that, that's a big improvement for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that yeah. that it's that it's about running a small campaign, but it's a big campaign for me, and not the well, it didn't make a million dollars, right? You know, exactly. Well, <laughs> I think I love it. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, but you know, it, like I said, it's just try, trying to like, you know, stay contained, stay right. honest. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that's a good answer. That we're okay. Cool. <laughs> so, so John, JD, do you have anything you want to add? Because you, JD, you've been quiet and you're in trouble. <laughs> trying to stay out of trouble over here. I know. I, I knew how George was going to go, so I just let him do his thing. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank you. Well, first of all, I mean, thank you for your support for you know eleven years. That that is that is amazing, and it's amazing how our little. Uh, our little class, our little cabal um, has continued to support each other yeah. for 11 years. I mean, I think that says, that says a lot um, of just the character of the people. And I mean, let's give credit to the character that, that Andy Schmidt and comics experience um, fosters that, you know, these, these random people 11 years ago, like there's a good core of us, like I said, that are still supporting each other, you know, financially mentally physically when possible mm-hmm. um so i mean thank you for your support and your encouragement and thank you for bringing me into your world and getting a chance to talk to john and david and you know babble for a lot longer than i'm sure any of y'all thought about <laughs> a project a project that i i've been waiting two plus years to tell right. people about um which is partially which is the excuse i say for why i'm babbling so much is like i said this is like you know, two years of you know a, a kettle getting ready to uh, to to burst. Yes. So I thank you guys very much for letting me talk about this and and you know kind of letting it go wherever it went. <laughs> Feel free to edit this all if uh, if you like hey. come back with a twenty minute episode of like yeah they're right they're right <laughs> I get it I get it that's that's not how this show works we're yeah. we're, we're we're very free form we warts uh, and all yes warts and all far um, too much work. No, no, it, it's about it's about the natural conversation, you know, because I've listened to podcasts that are so heavily edited, you can tell mm. like they they cut a lot of stuff out, and it's like it just doesn't feel natural anymore after that. So, it's it's actually what I like about the medium. I love because I'm also a guy that loves listening to experts talk about their craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I I do love the longer free form, like you know, diving into the into the into the weeds you yeah. know i don't need the five minute you know gloss over like give me an hour and give me like the 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 nitty-gritty details of what you do and how you do it i'm a sucker for that stuff and this week you get to be the expert <laughs> so i oh it's everything i can not to like run away from that um i'm just a dude who has stayed curious um and who is trying to get a little bit better so I'm sure all of our listeners will want to know where can they find this expert online? <laughs> uh, I mainly hang out on Twitter uh, with my handle is at lazy horde, L A Z Y H O R D. So Twitter is the main place that I hang out with. Um, I hang out at uh, on Facebook. Uh, if you just go Facebook backslash homeless comics, Mm-hmm. You can, you know, if you want to stay on top of the the comic stuff, it's there as well. Um, and then, uh, as I mentioned earlier, homelesscomics.com. If any of the books that we've been talking about sound interesting, you can download like free eight page previews of all the books there. Um, mm-hmm. And if you head over to the Kickstarter, which runs until uh, like 11.59 p.m. on the 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check out Charlie's spot, which is, you know, has been a labor of love for, like I said, over two years. Um, I, I believe in this book with all my heart, uh, the four of us, Taylor, 
Allie and Meredith. Uh, I can confidently say we worked our asses off to make this as good a book and a story it can be. I'm incredibly proud of this. I'm incredibly proud of the team. Um, and I kind of want to just show them off to everybody. Uh, so if you go to Kickstarter and search Charlie spot, you can preview the book. You can hear a little more of the backstory. And then also if, if these books of mine do sound interesting, you can back Charlie spot and you can pick up some of the graphic novels along the way. Cool. And, uh, for all the listeners out there, of course, as always, the link to the Kickstarter is in the description. Um, so make sure you check it out. Uh, like I said, um, George was kind enough to send us a preview of the books, and uh, it, they're they're really good. Like they are, yeah, yeah. You you you'd be doing your, yourself a disfavor by not backing this project. So, on that note, I'm going to say thank you, George. And as always, boys and girls, thanks for listening. Don't let your cape get caught in the door. Have a good week.